In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed and Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. 
Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. You ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. Alex, Nicholas, Cody's back from Utah. Tyler and Mark are here. We're ready to cut it up and have a good one tonight. Hey, turkey season's over. Nick's crying the blues. He's put that old trumpet up. It's like an old violin never to be played again. Y'all pull up a chair and sit a while. We're going to chat about it. Nick, did you have to clean the dust out of all these extra chairs around here since ain't nobody been sitting in them lately? Do, it's like an old pickup truck, son. You don't drive it often and don't get used, so <laughs> got to get oiled up. So that's what's going on over there. Da, 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 da. Right off the rip. What's up, buddy? Nothing. What are you doing? Oh, I just got done shooting in the one-shot tournament for the bow hunting league. Shoo. Shoo, law. Tell us how it went for you. I know why y'all kicked me off y'all's team now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, I see Dang. how it is now. Right out of the gate, starting the jabs. No, I'm talking about with me. I know. That was a terrible. What as bad as me? I missed well, the whole target. I'm glad, I didn't have gravel. To, I'm glad I didn't have to hit it. Shoot how unlucky can you be? Yeah, y'all talk about shoe. That's all right. I'll use luck up on the uh, dice roll, and I'll get down the fall time. I hope I still got my I really thought it packed. was going to be – I figured Watson to get like a 20-something. I figured you was probably going to get about like a 12, and I figured I was going to get the 66. But You got lucky. Hey, you know what? We still got errors in our quiver. Dude, plenty right. of them, yeah. plenty of them. You buy plenty of errors, you ain't going to worry about losing a few along the way. It's practice time for bow hunting. We're excited for the rest of the summer's events. We got all kinds of fun stuff planned up, trips up north, uh, food plot planting here in Georgia. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk around that and what you're doing at your new hunting club. But pump your brakes because turkey season's not over. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> it is. It's not over. We're having a turkey episode tonight. Are we? Yeah, and we got a few Golly, more behind us. Are we still on this turkey subject? I think we got a few more episodes. What'd you say? What'd you that. tell me last night? What's the name of my book going to be? I, had te- I text you because I was going to forget it. You remember <laughs> off the top of your head? Love, my love for the spring or something. Lo- lover of spring. Lover of spring. That's going to be the turkey book Alex is writing, y'all. Y'all be on the lookout for it for 2024. <laughs> or eight. <laughs> or eight. <laughs> it may take me that long. Hey, I'll tell you I what. Was, no, when I, was t- when I said that, I was like, you know what? Because you said that in that Ron Jolly podcast, and I thought, you could write that about your buddies at Turkey Hunt. Yeah. And just a short one. I wanted to write a poem. Yeah, just a short one. Lover of Spring. <laughs> about the things that you've witnessed people, what they do or what they talk about or anything like that. I'll get what they talk about. That. I could probably write that during this die tribe we're fixing to have to listen to on a, on a, <laughs> on a successful trip out to Utah. Well, he's back. I ain't seen no feathers. Where they at? How'd he pack all them turkeys back in that suitcase? I don't know. <laughs> They're having to ship them. <laughs> 
Well, we're glad you're back, Cody. It's been a you've missed some fun while you've been gone. Me and Nick have been have been oh, we've been having some fun down here. It's been Ron Jolly come on and you were here for that one though, weren't you? Yeah, he was yeah, here. I was here for the Ron Jolly one. <laughs> what have you got that look on your face? Because don't I'm go sat- to sleep tonight. I'm sitting here trying to think if if I really don't want Caleb to get mad. Tyler's over here without him. Oh, and, and, oh and, boy! And, and Mark's sharing a mic with him. Oh. So. <laughs> take a picture. Take a picture. No, I don't want to get him tore up. Sure about, he <laughs> knew I was coming over here. He had plenty of opportunity to come too. So, well, what about that shit? For the first night that we do the one shot for the bow hunting league. Mm-hmm. The reigning, talk about it outdoors champ, don't even show up with his bow. Probably didn't want to hurt her feelings. That's it. He's checking out the competition. He's like, he's hey, he's like a, a them old men that used to show up at the ballpark when you're taking a leak in the trough that gaze down through there. You know what they're doing, don't you? <laughs> checking out the competition. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can promise you, he'll probably have his bow next week. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, the fun has already begun for summertime. It's going to be a long, monotonous uh Four months until we get down to to September and the oh well we've got a lot of stuff planned up some shows to do we've got some really good I guess trips lined up I know you're going down to South Georgia to your new club to get that finished up and sweat in that heat and smack the skeeters at least you got an air conditioner that's right boy I think it's cold too ain't it it dang sure is like to froze my skinny butt to death back there I was hunting blankets and didn't find none I wanted something else to cuddle up to but Cody um you know Utah. Yeah, what was what was the first impressions? Man, just wide open country, country, just it was beautiful. And first and foremost, you know, you you build a relationship with Shad early on, and you know he'd been on the show a couple of times, Shad Brunson, and he'd invited us out there. Um, Nick couldn't make it; he already you know had some trips planned, and I just kind of was like, listen, I'm just gonna go. So, didn't know what to expect, never met him, talked to him on the phone, um, got out there, he picked me up from the airport, and uh, just a super, I mean, they don't they don't come any better than Shad, and, I, and we knew that already just from, from talking to him, so. We've done prior, two prior shows with him. Yeah. So. Was he, was he what you imagined? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, honestly. I, I thought mean, you'd be bigger. I mean. Yeah, I thought you'd be bigger. <laughs> Say what you really said about yeah. it, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, because I was coming through the airport, and there was like a waiting room for like you wait for loved ones and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just trucking it down through there because Salt Lake City doesn't have a tram at their airport, and you got to walk about 45 minutes to get out of it. And I was just, I just happened to look over in that loved ones waiting area, and uh, he was sitting there, and we just recognized each other right away. And he come out there and gave me a hug, and he's like, "Let's go," you know. And it was. Did he have one of those signs? I, I told him. I told him <laughs> the day before. I said, "If you don't have a sign that says." Welcome back from prison or something like that. I said, I'm going to be mad. And, Did he uh, have his talk about it stuff on? Um, Probably not. All he no, got a hoodie. He, he didn't. He didn't. He did bring a, He did bring his talk about it stuff. Um, he had a shirt and a hoodie uh, to, to hunt. But There you go, Shad. Yeah, he's representing. And I and I tell you, I, you know, I took him a couple hats. And um, Dan Dan Loveland was, was also out there with us. And We missed payment on those. And Dan didn't. Uh, <laughs> I knew that's uh, where you were going. Shad, Shad um, I'll send you a Venmo request <laughs> for those. Um, they weren't free. I stole them. Um, <laughs> but, um, you beat me to it. I was looking at I you. I seen you looking at me. I was like, well, I said he don't want to. 
Oh, man. Uh, I didn't see that coming. But did it come to you directly? I or? left cash landing here on the table. I was looking for it. Yeah, oh, no. I promise you cash <laughs> left down here. It Kelsey must have got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, but no, so he, you know, he picked me up, and we had some time to kill because Dan was going with us, and, and he didn't get off of work till till 2, and I landed there about 10 a.m. So we went, we went back to Shad's house. He only lived about 45 minutes from the airport. And, um, you know, he kind of showed me around on the way there and showed me some of, the, some of the hometown feel and the mountains and some mountain ranges he had hunted and so How forth. far did he live from there? From the, the airport? airport, yeah. 45 minutes. North? Um, and y'all hunted south, right? Yeah, we hunted south. So south of Salt Lake City? South of Salt Lake. So we were about two and a half hours south to where we actually hunted at. Okay. So we waited around. Uh, we picked up Dan around. Um, well, we first went by and met his wife, Darcy. Um, she was at work. We swung in there, and he introduced me to her, and we chatted for a while. And then went and picked Dan up about two, and uh, we were pulling. We pulled. Dan brought a side-by-side and a four-wheeler for us to be able to traverse those roads back in there. So picked him up from work at 2 o'clock and, and made our journey south. And... Um, you know, had a good conversation down there, and I, I knew right off that I was going to get along with them there. You had never been to Utah, though, right? Never, before? never. You've, first, been, you've been to Colorado several times, so was it pretty comparable? Milk. What yeah, did you <laughs> I, I run out there to get milk every now and then. But was no, it pretty comparable? It was, um, especially where where um, Shad lives was real comparable. But where we were hunting is actually considered desert. Okay. Um, by, I guess they judge that by rainfall and, <laughs> and the amount well, of dust you had the amount on your gear. Yeah, well, the amount what was of dust. it like big valleys and then you could see snow mountains in the background or you um down there you really couldn't see so I would just say most of our listeners probably don't know what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, so so where we were at at Shad's house, yes, you could see mo snow capped mountains and, and so forth. Once you got down there there's still a lot of big mountains. Um but a lot of them didn't have hardly anything on the top of them. Um, left but it was big big valleys big rolling hills and some real big mountains um, where we were hunting was more rolling hills with some surrounding I don't I wouldn't call them necessarily mountains close by but some really big ridges um, the tallest tree out there was probably 14 foot and, really yeah and they're like cottonwood Dang. trees and they would be like in the bottoms near the water um, which most of those were dead. Um, was there a lot of water? No, no. And I and I'll get to that in a little while, um, which had us kind of confused about where we were hunting. Could you see water on the when you guys were looking on? Yeah, and, and on Shad it? and Shad knew that area really well. I mean, he he grew up. He you know he was telling me stories about growing up hunting there. They mule deer hunt there, and and he grew up you know they elk hunt there, and they grew up camping there like we grew up camping there going there they camp for a couple weeks you know on a elk camp or you know mule deer camp with his whole family um so he knew the he knew the area very well he said he'd been hunting there since he was um like little like seven you know seven years old i believe um but so he was very familiar with the area but no there wasn't a lot of water there was several um watering holes is what I continue to call them, but every one that I saw was dry. Did they have to, like, for the town and stuff, did they have to truck in water for cattle or anything like that? Did you ask him? 
Um, there were some areas where they, um, and when we went up on the mountain, some of the farmers um, had these big pipes that had run way up the mountain, and they'd come down to like a spillway, and they would go through like a screen for, uh, you know, for screening out leaves and stuff like that that comes off the mountain, and then it would go down all the way down the hill to the, to the bottoms where they, I guess they collect it in a, a pond or, you know, whatever. You couldn't see where it went. Mm-hmm. You could just see the inlet way up on the mountain. It'd be way back in public land. Well, you know, when we went to South Dakota, they got these big tubs, like mm-hmm. swimming pools, with tops on them and little holes in the side of them. So I guess when it snows or rain, the water runs in that, and that's for the wildlife and stuff. And they, I guess the Department of Wildlife out there, they go out there and put them in so many places. And usually that's where you'd find stands or hunting. Yeah. You'd see hunting where people had hunted there, but – um, the reason I was asking about trucking in water, I was talking to a guy that was from Vegas and you know, they had to truck in a lot of water out there to those States in the summertime. Do you know that? Really? A lot of small towns and stuff. They had to truck in water because the water's so scarce Really? for not only the people that live there, but also the cattle and stuff like that. That's a lot of water at Caesar's palace in that fountain. They got you, a truck in. You would think so. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where, right. you know, you, you talk about that and they store it, I'm sure in, Places sure. like Cody works at a water treatment facility. How do they how do they combat evaporation with the heat? You know, it's so dry. I wonder how they would combat that. I know I know a lot of um, a lot of places have started implementing uh, floating balls that they um, they dump in the water and it floats on top of the water and they're like black balls that float everywhere and it keeps the sun from evaporating oh, okay. a lot of that I've water. I've seen those back them in the lakes and stuff. Yeah, and dump them in there. I know yeah. they implement that. That may be – but I, I didn't ask about that town there where we were at, um, at how they how they got water there, it, it, which it wasn't a small town. I mean, there were several places to eat. Um, there was a Denny. There were several hotels, so I assumed that eat they were Chick-fil-A's. On, there wasn't a Chick-fil-A there. Well, were you starving to death? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like that. that's Carl what they Jr. said in Idaho that – there's a lot of water out there this time of year because of all the snow melt, which I'm sure it was certain parts was that way. But once that snow melt's gone, that's it because they don't get enough rain. We found – I found one flowing body of water there um, the entire time that I was there. The watering holes, like I said, were, were dry. There was one area that Shad did find a watering hole that did have water in it, but he said there was zero turkey tracks around it. Really? Yep, and a lot of those, you know, a lot of back in there on the public land, BLM land and stuff like that, there's free-range cattle. And um, a lot of those cattle were up there at that, but no turkey tracks around that. We actually didn't even hunt around that. He had went up there scouting, and there was nothing up there. So for most people that don't know that, those people that that own those cattle can bring them over there and let them run. Yep, open range. Yeah, and they they basically have kind of – the places I've been in in South Dakota and Idaho so far – they have fences. Now these fences may cover seven thousand acres, mm-hmm. and they got cattle crossings at, at the road, and they got cattle shoots right there close to one of them somewhere. But the farmer, these people can bring their cattle in there, turn them loose, let them go, and then come back weeks later and get them if they want to. I guess that's just making improvements on their fields, or I don't know what they're doing. I, don't I know. think they have they have different grazing patterns. You know, they have summer fields and they have winter fields, so they take them up into the hills during the summer to graze high. And then I guess bring them, sense. bring them back down. Hell, they just turn them loose in that clear cut out there in Idaho. Well, so that, that's how they it need them up with sticks and worms, I guess, out there. You'd come, you'd come around a stand of cedars, and there'd be four or five cows in there. In the, really? In the woods, yeah. 
and up turkeys now as nervous as you are around cows how did they them cows don't care not not a bit no you walk right beside them cows they didn't care interesting did those turkeys seem to stay around where those cows hung out yes because of the cow shit i i don't know because you you know even where the cows are hanging out there's no water that's crazy you think they get that much off of vegetation man i'm telling you from where i was hunting those turkeys i'll just go into this from where we were hunting those turkeys the closest running body body of water and i walked a lot the closest body of water that we was to them turkeys was probably i bet it was i can look on the map i bet it was three quarters of a mile well that ain't nothing for them birds yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you know what those turkeys never left that area i mean we hunted all in between it and everything and those birds were and there were birds by the water on the clear cut but these birds right here and those cows weren't traveling that far. Maybe turkeys just don't need as much water as a, a whitetail or I something. I chicken can go, what, two weeks without water. Really? Uh-huh. I mean, I just yeah, – and, I don't, and they probably get enough off dew. Or, I don't remember. I guess there's not I no dew out there, but um, – Is there any condensation that settles, like when you were in Idaho? Idaho, yes. Idaho, honestly, I mean, they say it's dry out there, but it really didn't feel much different than home. Right. You could tell there's moisture in there because there's frost on the ground. Yeah, no, there was uh, there was no zero moisture in in the air out there. Um, it was dry. the The roads that we were traveling on, they had a good inch and a half of dust on them, and you would just drive through them, and you could look behind you, and couldn't even see nothing. Those trucks would go down those roads, and you'd have to wait ten fifteen minutes to, if you wanted to cross that road. That would not be fun. <laughs> no. no, everything I owned. Well, the last two days I quit taking my camera gear because I was afraid I was going to ruin it. It was just that bad. That's crazy. And everything I And is it like that year around, he said? He said, yeah. That, I mean, he said, imagine this during elk season. You know, we're you know we're out here, you know, every weekend and every week for a whole month. He's like, you, you can't get the dust off of you. It's so bad. What'd y'all stay in? Motel 6. Oh, okay. I thought y'all staying in a oh, wall Oh, yeah. Tent. I thought y'all staying in a camper. We were. That was the original plan in the week before, and I'm so glad he did it. He said, uh, hey, how would you feel about splitting a hotel room just so we can shower and stuff? And I was like, I'm fine with that. You know, that would be fine. And I'm telling you, I'd have died. I've went for a week up here in the mountains not showering. You'd take a shower, and they'll attest to this. You'd have to wash your hair twice because there'd be so much dust in your hair, and that's from wearing a hat all day, too. Lord, I'd be in trouble with all this hair I got out there. It was bad. It was bad. But – but the good what thing are you about, laughing about? I was thinking about washing your hair. It'd be like taking a truck to a mud bog and wash wash the flap off of it. Just keep washing. It just keeps coming out. Yep, just keeps on flowing out. <laughs> like, I swear I got that fender clean. It just keeps running out on your tire. So, oh god. So to kind of go into the week, ruin a pillar. You got there on Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. Wednesday. That's right. We got there on Wednesday. We got down. We checked into the hotel. Um, got changed immediately and drove up into the property and like i said it was like a 20 minute drive and wednesday while we were there we didn't see a single person uh we saw a lot of sign that people had been in there um shad actually found a pot call in on the side of the road so we knew that there'd been people what kind? In bone collector <laughs> really mm-hmm. yeah i throwed it out the window <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> yeah yeah ain't killing crap with this <laughs> throwed it out the window <laughs> but um got over there and we actually went to the to this i'll just call it the clear cut and it was the it was probably the biggest area as far as like 
you could see a long ways. Mm-hmm. And um, and I knew from back home and everything that turkeys love clear cuts. And Shad had been up there, you know, prior with his son this season, and so he knew there was birds in the area. So we go off down in this canyon where the that body of water is. It's flowing. And we're just looking at turkey tracks and, you know, so forth. And we just decide to set up because, I mean, it's our first evening and we're just kind of getting a lay of the land. And so um, we sat down and we're all sitting there about 10, 15 minutes. And I look at them and they look at me and I was like, who's going to call? And they're like, oh, you go ahead and call, you know. So I called and um, we sat there for a little while and the bird actually struck up back up on the clear cut. Uh, we were kind of across the canyon from the clear cut. So I was like, well, we'll get this party started now. And we'll say that uh, we were south looking north, and the bird was like northwest. So we had to go across this canyon back up, and we went way far northeast because I wanted to get circle all the way around the ridge and get up on the same level as them. I didn't want to go straight towards them. And we got up there all the way to the flat, and it was a hike. It was my first first day there, and I was like, man, these are some hills out here. Ain't no hill for a climber <laughs> though. And um, but I, I, you know, I made it up there fine. Did that turkey keep gobbling? Yes, he, he kept gobbling. Did you keep him interested, or he just kept kept on on his own? Once we made it, because once he gobbled, I didn't call again until we went down, crossed that creek, and went up that canyon, and we got about three quarters away from the canyon, and I was probably what I assumed probably eight hundred yards away from that bird. Mm-hmm. And I called kind of back down the canyon. He gobbled again. He was probably 400 yards. And by the time we went another, we literally went straight up the mountain from there and got up on that top of that clear cut. And we had just got to the edge of the clear cut. The clear cut kind of rolled down towards the canyon. So it was a little bit of a crest there. When we got to the edge of it, I just didn't want to bust out in that clear cut because it's wide open. It had some scrub brush, though, in the clear cut, just like you may go 40 yards and that'd be a four-foot bush. You might go no 20 yards, be another bush. You know, it was just kind of bushy like that where it had grown back. And um, by the time we got to the edge of the clear cut and I, we found a spot that I could set up, I called, and he was, turkey was right in front of us. Uh-uh. Yeah. Already had made all the way down the top of the clear cut. And that's when I realized, like you and I had spoke about and watching shows and stuff, how fast those Miriams move. And it actually ended up being two gobblers Mm -hmm. and they were on top and i would call and they'd cut me off and they were coming closer so we were sitting there ready and i realized that i wasn't going to be able to see where i was at so i moved up about 30 yards it was thick enough in that clear cut where you could move around if you kept the crest of the hill in Mm -hmm. your favor Mm -hmm. got up there on top and actually saw that bird, saw one of them strutting at about 50 yards, just through some, just, I don't know what those, some of those bushes are, but it was some like oak brush and stuff like that. And he strutted back and forth a couple times, and I just sat there quiet. And every time you'd go quiet, he'd fade off. You'd call to him, he'd, he'd turn around and come back. But he would just come back a little ways and then walk off, come back, walk off. So when he's at 50 yards, why don't you pull the trigger? Couldn't. It's too thick? Too thick. So when he walked off, and before you, if he'd done that a couple of times, why didn't you walk up there where I did. he kept coming to? I did. So I finally let him fade off. I finally let him fade off. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see him. I mean, I could only see him for about a five-yard stretch, just back and forth. When he faded off, I gave it about 10 minutes, and I did. I took all my stuff off, took my vest off, took my 
my binocular harness and everything off. And took I cr- pants off? Took my pants <laughs> off. Was <laughs> Shad was, they were gross. <laughs> I had my underwear you, and my crispies what, what, on. What is he doing? <laughs> I had my underwear and my crispies on, and I went to crawling. No. So, but you got some rough feet. <laughs> yeah. Is that oh, a streak mark? <laughs> it's funny because after that, after crawling that one time, I told them boys, I said, you can't crawl out here like you can in Georgia. Because there's just shell rock everywhere, uh-huh. and you just tear your knees up bad. So I did. I crawled up there to the top, and he <laughs> dog throwing up. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he um, the next time he gobbled, he was literally standing beside the side by side where he, where we had parked it. <laughs> literally, like I mean, within ten yards. You don't think it was by. another one? Oh no, it was the two. They we know exactly where they went at hindsight, and after walking over there. But once I got up there at the top, he would gobble, and he just kept walking. He'd mm. gobble. He just kept gobbling, kept gobbling. Yeah. And it was late in the evening, so they were headed for roost anyways. Right. Come to find out, come full circle on those birds, We I actually pulled those birds away from where they were roosting, and they just come out the top of that clear cut, and then they circled back and just went to roost is where they was headed. So that was your first time hearing a Merriam gobble? Yeah. What would you think? Like different. yeah, I couldn't describe it, and you described it earlier on the phone or yesterday when we were talking. It's like a pin raised bird. It is. It's a real just. If you heard a pin raised bird around here, I just, mm. I just got that. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's, it's not a hard hitting eastern. You no, know? it's not. It's not real guttural. No, you know? it's just. But, but yeah, that. So that was the first. That was my first impression. So I was already stoked. I was like, man, because. We so just, did y'all stay in there like past dark to try to roost them or yeah so we stayed in there um until dark and could not get a bird to gobble on the roost not whatsoever and i tried calling to them regular because you know i've had that work a few times in georgia mm-hmm. I, cr- I tried a um i didn't have a coyote call but I can howl pretty decent with my mouth, and I Gosh, try. I should have gave you the, the hot dog. Hot dog, man! I tell you, but you know what's funny? We didn't hear a single coyote the whole time we were out there, not that, not at night or in the morning. I don't know if you did when you no. were in South Dakota. No. Wrong or, time of year, you know that. Like well, yeah, time. but but you know, and even Chad said he's like, I can't believe we hadn't heard coyote, but maybe. So we, um, but I, I try to owl hooter. Um, I try to everything all week. And never got a turkey to gobble on the roost as far as locating in the in the afternoon. Really? Never. Man, you you got to get you a Randy Anderson hot dog, son. Yeah, I know. And um, you can rip a guts out of them with that thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is loud. You want me to go get it? Yeah, get it. Try that thing one time. So so that wrapped up Wednesday night, and we um you know went back and ate, and then just went to bed and got ready for the morning because we had to get up about four out there. To make it over there in time. What time did it get daylight? Um, it was getting daylight about six, about six twenty, six thirty. Oh, that's home. not bad. No, it wasn't. It's kind of like home. Yeah, so it, it wasn't horrible. Um, but by the time we got over there and unloaded the side by sides and four wheelers and all that, um, oh, y'all had side by sides and four wheelers. Yeah. So Dan, Dan brought a side by side, and it was a four seater, but he had took the seats out of the back. And uh, he's a big bird hunter. Okay. And he took seats out of the back, and he had, like, a dog platform built, by, built back there for his dogs. So, in the back was just a piece of plywood with carpet on it. Mm-hmm. That's so, where you rode most of the time? No, I rode in the front <laughs> with him, and then Shad, bless his heart, rode the four-wheeler. All, his face was sunburnt, or like sun-blistered from riding so much in the sand and the dust that 
by the time we got done Saturday, his face was solid red. Just wind so, burnt. is it just because you guys want to get on those roads, or can you get on service roads and go around gates and use them? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can drive them anywhere that there's an accessible road. If there's not a gate up that's part of the public land, you can drive anywhere. But you just can't take a pickup truck. Yeah, there's just there was just one main service road through there, but a lot of those roads you wouldn't want to take a truck on because the sharp rocks and oh really yeah some of those roads were even sketchy on a side by side like, did you get like on a where a bluff was off the one side it never really got like that the way they had those roads cut kind of went into valleys and then they would come around and they would come around the side of a mountain but there would be enough would they be tiered up like a road would go all the way up a bottom and then there'd be a road 100 yards up and then another road 100 yards up and so on like the loggers would access that not really because of the way that those those mountains and hills roll out there. They just kind of went over the top, down the hill. The they ain't logging back. nothing. There ain't nothing to log out there. They just cut it for. I mean, it's yeah, just no. desert. Like what do you? you I would mean, be in, you would be in. I would be in the middle. They're gonna be cl- cutting it for a reason. Well, I'm telling you, I don't know why, and I should ask Shad this, but yeah, I would be in the middle of nowhere, and there would be cedars cut. And I think I know the answer to this. Actually, we did talk about this a little bit. I think this is the answer. There would be cedars cut down and cut into pieces and left there. And I think it's because they're water hogs. Those trees are water hogs. That makes sense. And it starves out all the vegetation around it from soaking up the water. Because you would be in the middle of nowhere, and they would just be random trees cut down. And they weren't pulled out. It was just cut down and cut up. What would be a hell of a place to start a damn brush fire? Well, I'll tell you. It got, and they have no. them out there, don't they? Yeah, the Shad was showing me a bunch of places on the way down and some places up right by where he lives He's like that whole mountainside burn. He was talking about an area that used to be like most pristine hunting ever. And once it burned, it was just like dead. It created like desolate wasteland. So, um, but so anyways, to get back to the story, um, we get back in there Thursday morning and the only, the only birds we know of are the ones on the clear cut. Mm-hmm. So we go back, we don't know exactly where they're roosted, but we go set up basically in the middle of this clear cut. Like I said, there was enough scrub that you could sit in the middle of that clear cut and get hit. I mean, there were some four-foot, five-foot bushes, and you just kind of got to just tuck back in front of them. And, um, they gobble on the roost pretty good? Yeah, they're flipping head off. Really? Yeah, just continuous. From the time they wake up to the time they hit the ground to, to 11 o'clock, so they, they, were, they don't stop gobbling. Most of them was in those um, – that's good to know. Most of them was in those dead trees. Yep, so I'll get to that, how we – how I kind of figured that out, but Shad had told me that they'd like to roost in the dead trees, not necessarily the green, you know, cedars and stuff. And that's just so they can see, you know, but we go sit up in that clear cut and it's, it's about, it's, it's pretty warm already that morning. It's in the sixties. Um, and we set up there and the birds ended up being way down at the bottom of this clear cut. Um, probably a thousand yards away. I mean, they were a long ways away, but, I let them just wake up, do their thing. Um, I could tell they flew down, and they were working up the clear cut kind of towards us, and I started calling, and boom, cut me off every time. Boom, boom. Just I mean, many times you want to call, they'll cut you off, and that was the story for the rest of the week. But we saw these birds wa- walking, working up finally, and they the closest they got that morning to us was about 600 yards and it was two gobblers, and they had a couple hens with them. And um, they were just strutting with those hens. And they just finally worked into a piece of timber and out of our out of our line of sight. Mm-hmm. It's, pretty, it's pretty much how that went. So um, You feel like those hens are pulling those gobblers away from you, Colin? 
Yeah. Yeah, I, f- I felt like those birds do that bad. I feel like those hens are bad about that out there. Yeah, they are. It's just it's just like your bird, Alex. You get those hen they the hen gets that gobbler and you I just, feel like they do it worse out there than they do yeah. in Georgia. And I I don't know why, I guess. Speaking of that bird, you know that some goes in the cemetery right there above the house strutting. Did I send you that picture? I wonder if that's the same one. I would venture to say it is, judging by that I, rope hanging off I his if was neck. That one that, uh, Mark said he saw. Is I don't double? know. It, son of a gun was big. Well, he knows he's safe now. <laughs> so he was safe then. Me hunting. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't realize. So that was it, that was Thursday that was, morning. That was thir- Thursday, Thursday morning. morning. So so once that did y'all happened, take lunch and? Good <laughs> lord! Did y'all take uh? Did y'all take lunch with you? Yeah. Um, Dan introduced me, and I know they're big here. I know it's not like a Utah thing, but I'd never bought them before. But uh, Dan had a box of Crustables. You ever had those? He loves those things. That's all Uncr- he eats. Uncrustables, Uncrustables yeah. yeah. I, I never ate one. I don't. Before. I don't. That ain't all I eat anymore. But when me and Brock fished a bunch, oh yeah, we'd have a whole box of them. Yeah, I've never had truck. one. He's not. His, Mark's not in his head like he's. Them's the best deer season now. See, you talking I'm about the cheap. peanut butter and yeah. Uh, jelly? Yeah. 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 See, I'm cheap. I make my own ones because I like the crust. I like those but... things, but God, I need about four of them to fill me up. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kept <laughs> reaching back in the box. <laughs> don't, be, don't be so. Don't be so. Okay, maybe six. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Dan and I, Dan and I, we decided to split up. Um, so Shad was going to go look at a location, and uh, Dan and I were going to go look at a, another location. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> we laughing about nothing. Go ahead. You thinking about crustables? Now? Yeah, crustables now? <laughs> we're allowed to have something right now. Um, you got fish. So that's all y'all eat for lunch. Was was one of them? No, there was um, <laughs> there was a couple days that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cigarettes and water uncrustable uncru- water they get, they get tired of walking behind you and smelling them cigarettes did they smoke I didn't, no they don't smoke oh no they no. dip snuff chewbacca nope okay yep, just, they're like god they gotta just, smell this guy <laughs> <laughs> well, i didn't smoke a lot out there and i am not ashamed to talk about this because i was honestly worried because it is so dry you're gonna catch you on fire yeah no like when i was in the woods and stuff like that i wouldn't you know really smoke because I was like, man, one wrong ash and <laughs> it's like a tender box. Yeah. You, know, yeah. well, you could have done that, got on the other side and killed the turkeys when they come out. <laughs> yeah. Start a yeah. I'm gonna push these birds for a job. Well, was that was the snakes bad? Didn't see a single snake. Thank Are there you. bad snakes there? They have um God he told me what they're called. Um, there's some type of rattlesnake. Some right? type of rattlesnake, yeah. yeah. Um they don't get real big, I don't think. Um but yeah. Yeah, I figured they had rattlesnakes there. Or jackrabbits and you can shake a stick at. Really? Dude, yes. And you know what? Biggins. Yes, and I want to go back out and hunt them because he said there's no limit. There's no close season. You can hunt them at night. Really? He said they used to take a box of 22 shells when he was a kid, and he said about between three or four of them, they'd make a lap and they'd empty a box of of 500 shells. They probably don't have much of a coyote problem then. I would say not. I I mean, I saw a bunch of coyote crap, but – or they have an abundance of coyotes and they're yeah. getting fat as could be. Yeah. But and I asked him, I was all, I was like, man, them jackrabbits good eating. He said, kick them in a ditch. Really? Mm-hmm. He said, dude, you don't eat them. They're covered in mites. And he said they're nasty. He said, now cottontails. You know, there are some. I did see um, two, uh, just regular cottontails. <laughs> well, it'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? Kick a big old jackrabbit about as long as your leg in the ditch. I'm telling you, their ears is about nine inches long. How much bigger are they than a? Three times, really, than a cottontail. Yeah, the they scare you? you seen, that's what I was about to yeah. say. Would they scare you when they come out? They would, but 
if you wasn't paying attention, yeah, they would. I've actually got a video one I can show you, but um, they we'll uh, said on your YouTube video. Yeah, but we were standing by the truck one day, and three of them just come down the road right beside us, just following each other, just stopped ten yards from us, just kind of looking around. They don't care. What other wildlife y'all see? Uh, mule deer, and um, all shit, I guess. Yeah, you know, they were growing back. The mule deer. Yeah, we actually saw pretty good. We were sitting on a hillside glassing one day, and um, we saw what they said was going to be a good mule deer. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a unit that Shad hunts a lot. So he was he was happy to see that. Does so. that place get picked clean with picked the antlers clean? Shad found two sheds out there. Were out there. He found a. I thought it was a giant elk shed, and he's like, "God, oh, it's a baby." Does he yeah. sell them too? He said that he told me today they're going for twelve dollars a pound right now. So I don't know if he's going to sell it or not. Twelve dollars a pound. Yeah, better watch these meth heads and Ackworths. <laughs> yeah, they towed every shed in the country off. They would, wouldn't they? They would yeah, quit stealing copper out of these houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is copper now? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> so, so Dan and I went to this new area, and we were literally just driving down the road. Cause I, Dan was, Dan had been to that area one other time with Shad elk hunting. So he knew a little bit about the area, but nothing about where turkeys might be or whatever. So every time we'd come around to Ben, I would just kind of look and I don't know what I was looking for. Just like, Hey, this may look kind of turkeyish, mm-hmm. And we would stop and call. And if I didn't hear nothing, um, we just continue on. That was all we knew to do, you know, just to try to locate. And we were driving and we we're looking for tracks out the windows because that road is so dusty that that you can see new tracks every day. Every right. day, they just get erased, and it's kind of like snow, really. And so we finally we finally get to an area and we strike a bird, and he's back up the road to where we just came from. We strike him, we get out, and um, the road had made a bend right there, and I couldn't tell if he was on the right side or left side of the, of the road. Sound familiar? Couldn't <laughs> oh, tell if he was yeah. on the right side or left side <laughs> of the creek, and he was on the right side. So I just we and when I called again, he was like 150 yards, and this road ended at about 120 yards. So I we just bailed off the side of the road, literally laying like five yards off the road, and um, I was like, man, he might just come down this roadside to us because there was tons of tracks right there. And boom, all of a sudden he gobbles and he's across the road. So we jump up, go run across the road, and we get, and he's still gobbling. And you can just hear him moving. Well, what he did is he crossed the road. It was the high side of the road, and he got above us. And when it, and that's what he was trying to do. So we jumped across the road, got over there, and set up. And he bah, bah, kept gobbling, kept gobbling. Well, I started calling again, and he come straight off the hill, straight down the hill, and he got to thirty five yards. Saw him one time behind some. I saw his head, white head, right behind a bush. And I had my gun out on the other side of this cedar, and he never came out. And he's just constantly, just, that's that video. I was just gobbling, gobbling, gobbling. So it was so thick in there that you could move around and feel safe about moving around if a bird was even close because you would get to a lane and you might see 20 yards and that's it. and Or you could look this way and see four yards. So I was just down behind this scrub oaks just crawling and I got up there, and it was so frustrating because he was gobbling in my face. <laughs> and I literally was just full head peak with my gun ready. Couldn't see him. I don't I – mean, you just – he's right there, and you just can't see him. It's just mm-hmm. that thick. It was just so frustrating. So 
I finally just stopped and I just walked back to Dan and I was like, he finally just started sending TSSs down through the woods <laughs> trying to get so so frustrating. And and wow. I look back and when I saw his head, I mean, I could have shot. I knew where he had walked, but it wouldn't have been a safe ethical shot and shooting through that stuff. I mean, no telling. Probably well, the best. So, I just I told Dan, I said, I mean, we know where how, this How much of the stop you real quick. How much of the because I'm just trying to play if I was doing it. How much of the – did you guys sit back and somebody try to sneak up? So we did try to – we did implement that, and that's what I'll get into. Dan and I start kind of trying to do that. Um, the thing with those birds out there is what we realized real quick is where you think they're going to come, the way you would set up on an eastern, it didn't matter if you were above those birds or below those birds. They never would walk in a straight line to you. They would always circle – and come in from a totally different direction. So when from then on, when if Dan and I were hunting together, for example, and then me and Shad did this too, we would separate by about 50 yards, and I would get further away from the birds than whoever, you know, like I would put Dan closer to the birds, and we would look opposite directions. Even if I was calling them from one way, I would face the opposite direction because every time they would circle around, and I would come just get as close to shooting one as he would. So – we tried that. Um, the one of the things there, one of the things too was uh, Dan wasn't extremely confident calling. Um, he could run a box call, um, and Shad, you know, ran some mouth calls. But I did primarily ninety percent of the calling. So how dry was your mouth running a mouth call and all that dust? <laughs> I, I ran that uh, one of those KT Cut two so much I ripped a reed. Um, I mean, I was calling a lot. And um, and mainly because too that was the only way I could get the birds to gobble. So I mean that's that's all that's all I had in my tool belt. I mean I tried slate calls, I tried box calls, I tried glass crystal. I never got a bird to gobble except for my mouth call, not one time. That's crazy. Not even a bird that had already gobbled. I I tried to slow play it with a crystal call, mm-hmm. get a little quieter. They want to hear that. Never would, never would, never. And I put my mouth call back in, he cut me off. Did I you, get just the tone, maybe. Did you whip at them much? Yeah, I tried everything. Whipped, kikied, yop yop. Did everything. I mean, just um, they really like clucks. Just just kind of hard clucks out there. I'd clur, you know, uh, purr and cluck a lot, and they'd they'd gobble at that like hmm. crazy. So that bird, we let go, and I told Dan, I was like, we know where this bird went. I knew he just went up this ridge, so. Um, we just got quiet, walked all the way back down the road, and I circled all the way around him and got on top of the ridge and didn't make a sound till I got up there. And um, the ridge split. There were two ridges, and he ended up, he was on the right ridge and I was on the left ridge, which was fine because I already saw that they didn't care to go uphill, downhill. They just move. So I got on the ridge, and I was calling. He gobbled. So we just moved to set up. When we did, we jumped two, two mule deer. Well, where did those mule deer go? straight to that turkey and run him off they run straight over there to the top of that ridge and he never gobbled again and that was just part of that day that's just how that went um that was basically the rest of the day thursday that was re- that was pretty much the rest of the day me and me and uh me and him did split up and um that same that same day i think yeah it was that same day i went Back on top of the ridge. No, that was Thursday. Dan, Wednesday or Thursday evening, went and sat up by himself 
and he did some light calling and had a hen and a gobbler. He called the hen in, actually, but she got on the high side of him, and I gave him a lesson about from Nick, never give up the high ground. <laughs> I did. And he's like, well, that's right. They come from the bottom, circled way behind him, and got behind him at 30 yards, and the gobbler was just strutting with the hen, and he never could get a shot. So that kind of rounded out my Thursday. Um, we I heard some more birds um, gobble off in the distance, but couldn't didn't have enough time in the day to make a move. But I knew by the I'll put it this way: by the time the day ended, I knew where two birds were on the clear cut, and I knew where four birds were were me and. Um, That's a good feeling wrapping yeah, up the day. Yeah, it was. So I knew the area that they were in. But here's the problem: going into Friday is when the people started showing up. So y'all hadn't saw nobody before then? No, we saw one guy drive through on a four-wheeler with like a brown T-shirt on and a pair of – and he would literally just pull his fuller and he was a bigger guy. And he would just literally pull his fuller over on the side of the road, call, and then just drive off. That was the only guy we had saw up until that point. So hmm. Friday morning I made a plan. Oh, I take it. I take one thing. Um, Thursday evening, when I got done messing with those birds, I said I'm going back to the clear cut and I'm gonna get on the highest piece of ground on that clear cut I can, and I'm gonna watch those birds. Well, I did, and I found them, and I watched them walk right off the ravine to go roost. Uh, they were probably 400 yards from me, and I watched them come all the way across the clear cut, and I was like, boom, dropped a pin, and I told Shad and Dan, I said these birds are roosted right here. And I said, we know where they went yesterday morning. Let's go set up there. So Friday morning, it's 35 degrees, and the wind was blowing 40 mile an hour. <laughs> 35 degrees, 40 mile an hour wind. Perfect Yikes. perfect conditions, right? Perfect conditions for that clear cut. Yes, and we were going to sit on a clear cut. Mm -hmm. And I, I told him, I said, y'all can stay in the woods if you want, but I really think we need to be in this, in this clear cut. But what we did was I sat in the middle. Shad... I had him go 80 yards to my left, and I had Dan go 80 yards to my right. We were sitting with the woods to our back. If those turkeys come across through there, they're, they're dead. And um, little did I know where I'd set up, literally 20 yards in front of me, a hen had a nest in, um, in this, like, buck brush in the middle of that clear cut. And so the world wakes up, and you can't hear good. I'll tell you this. This is how bad the wind was blowing. Shad was sitting to my left. He heard turkeys gobbling that I couldn't hear. Hmm. I heard birds that Dan couldn't hear sitting to my right. And we and Dan heard birds that Shad couldn't hear to the left. I mean, and we weren't we weren't very far apart, but the wind was just whipping. Probably the loudest I've ever called in my life because I just knew those birds were way far down in that ditch. And they come up and they were just gobbling, but they were just strutting and down the bottom we couldn't see them but i knew that they were just like in a strut zone and shad kept saying i hear one way to the east which was way far left of him what it was is those two birds came up one bird broke off to the east and i had one of the gobblers coming to me and i'll put it this way he was gobbling so close that me and dan i already had my safety off and because there was a big pile of that brush in front of me at about 40 yards 30 or 40 yards and then he was had to be right behind it, gobbling. Mm -hmm. And then and then it rolled down the hill. Well, I heard him oh, I mean, in my face, and I was like, and then I saw a head and I was like, 
It's about to happen. He's dead. And I could see him walking through it. Him, quote, air coats. Walking through it, popped out. It was a hen. And what I think happened was, and I know she had a nest in there because I saw her go back in there and lay, and then she got up again. I think that gobbler was coming up through there, and I think she went and pushed him off because she didn't want nothing to do with him. And ended up another hen come from the right, and I got video of this. A hen come from my right, went over there, and that hen that was sitting on the nest whooped the crap out of that other hen, <laughs> run her off. So I think that hen having a nest there screwed us up there because then all he did was drop off the hill. He went and got with that other gobbler, and they were just over there just pow, pow, pow. And they circled behind us and got in the timber. So they went on up the clear cut and then got in the timber behind us. So that kind of ruined it. It was a great plan, but it just it failed. So um, what do we do after that? So like I said, we – so we – Chad says, I'm going to go um, sit in this um, timber. And he's like, I'm just going to sit. I'm going to sit here all day if I have to because we found tracks on both sides of the timber. We knew <coughs> we knew this timber was only about 200 yards wide, and we knew that they were traveling through there at some point during the day. So he goes in there and sits, and he ends up later in the day. Those gobblers came back through there two different times, gobbling. And they were just circling him. They never would come. I think he saw him one time just moving through. Mm-hmm. But he he never could get a shot. And me and Dan headed back over to where we were where we were at. Um This is the day we got over there and Dan and I started implementing I knew I started seeing how these birds were moving. And I was like, We're gonna have to separate when we're in the woods. We can't sit beside each other anymore. Your lane might be the better lane, or my lane might be the better lane. I just don't know. So Dan and I got up there and got sat down in the woods, and um, I was just doing some calling. We had heard a bird gobble in the area prior to that, and it was the same area we were in the day before. And I was just up there doing some light calling every 15, 20 minutes and hadn't heard anything, no gobbles. I heard a hen way off down in the canyon, Um, but – I, we were sitting there probably about 45 minutes or an hour, and I get a text come through on the group ma- message, and um, it's Dan. And he said, just had a gobbler at 30 yards, and I blew it. And he sat right behind me. He sat behind me 40 yards facing that direction. Mm. So the gobbler backdoored me, which would have been perfect. You for never him. heard it gobble? He never gobbled. Mm. He comes slipping in. Well, Dan had – Shad had texted us, and Dan was – going to reply to the text he looked down at his phone and he said he looked up and there was kind of little um there elk trails all through the woods and cattle trails and it was just standing in the cattle trail 30 yards in front of him mm-hmm. and it got behind a little brush and he said i could 100 percent shot it he said I, I just froze he said i just he's like i don't know he was super pissed at himself and i was like man you know it happens you know it is what it is so after that we um we we kind of relocate because he said he, the bird saw him, you know. Um, so we re, we re, relocate to the bottom side of the hill. We go on the other side of the road where we had heard some other birds earlier in the day. We get down there and um, we get down there and set up, and immediately I get three birds to answer me. One is um, way down in the bottom, 
This um, is Friday afternoon, right? This is, yeah, Friday, yeah. Friday midday, kind of. Mm-hmm. And um, we we get over there, and there's three birds answering. One's by itself, two are, two are together. And the two together are probably, well, I actually looked, and I kind of drew a line to where I thought they were, and they were between 800 and 900 yards away. And it was back up behind this watering hole. And um, I, ca- I called, and they answered me, cut me off. I went quiet, and I sat there probably eight to ten minutes, and they didn't gobble again. Well, I called again, and they were in the same spot. So I went quiet again, sat there for another ten minutes, nothing. And I was like, called again, gobbled the same spot. I mean, they'd gobble about two or three times, and they'd quit. I told Dan, I said, uh, I said I'm going to have to get aggressive with these birds. Same thing. He sat up behind me about 40 yards facing the opposite direction. I was almost calling. I was almost having my back to these birds. Mm-hmm. And I would just call over my right shoulder at them. And uh, so finally, I started calling, and I was cutting, and they would they kept gobbling, kept gobbling, kept gobbling, kept gobbling. And finally, after about 15 minutes of straight calling, they finally broke. And I could hear them moving. And they were circling around us. And where they were circling around was on the same level as us, but we were sitting on top of the ridge, and they wanted to come straight down the ridge and not come up a hill, so to speak. So I turned around and got ready, and Dan was already facing that way, and I was calling, and they were coming to my right and kind of fading away from Dan, so I tried to call behind me to try to just turn them a little bit to get them to come straight more straight in and i never saw them they went through a gap at about 40 44 yards and uh dan had a shot and uh they were walking though and they never stopped and he didn't take the shot and i was like dan pull the trigger and he's gonna listen to this and know and and we had a talk about like laughed about it kind of but i but i was so frustrated not at dan but because those turkeys come by me gobbling, and they never stopped. They made a big circle, and every time I'd call, they just kept gobbling and walking, kept gobbling and walking. And it was the most frustrating thing ever. And I, we, I couldn't figure out why they were doing that. And, you know, an eastern will come up there and kind of ease through. He might even shut up gobbling, but he'll eventually just walk down through the woods and look. And you know, you know those turkeys knew exactly where I was calling from. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But they would circumvent you just by just out of range, just kind of like they do a drive by. There's drive by. They just drive by. They hey, you want to come with us? Get in the car. Let's go. That's exactly what they were doing. And it was it was so it was it was so so frustrating. And um, so that was um, yeah. So that's how that went. So that was actually midday. So after all that happened, we um we we started hearing a lot of people. And, um, there was actually a guy that come down the road and I called him box called John for the rest of the week because <laughs> he would park his truck and he would literally walk that dirt road. I'm talking for would he fire the birds up for, yeah, he would. Y'all should just use him for, I your- did. I tried. <laughs> he was behind me one time and I just didn't make a sound, but they just kept going to the birds. I did. I dude, I tried. Me and Dan, I was like, dude, if he's calling, I was like, we'll just get down here below him 
and just because the birds were gobbling, but they would just them birds would walk them hills back and forth, back and forth gobbling. They would never, they never went to him, not one time. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I couldn't figure out what to do to better my situation that was going on. Mm-hmm. So once that guy called for an hour straight, I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. It was lunchtime, and I was like, I'm done. And the birds finally shut up. They just quit gobbling. And he was still up there on the road, just bop, 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 bop. I mean, as loud as he could with that box call. Mm-hmm. So, so we got to sound good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a kid, honestly. I tried to run into him a couple times. Um, I was just going to talk to him. Um, but Dan saw him in his truck, and he said he looked like a younger kid. So he's probably just inexperienced. He probably thought he was doing good because probably bird. just sounded good because they're gobbling. Yeah, I mean that's what I I told Shad. I said he may just want he may just like listen to the birds gobble. Yeah, because I never saw him with a gun. You know, I never saw him. Um, just heard him a bunch. Yeah, I mean, so uh, that went into Friday afternoon. So I went. So that was that was Friday at lunch. We left. We okay. left and went. We went to actually get a a decent bite to eat for lunch. Yeah. And uh, so we go out to eat lunch, and when we're coming back, and we're like, they're like, "What's the game plan?" And I was like, "Well, somebody needs to go sit." And I pulled the map up, and I was like, "Somebody needs to go sit right here in this food in this um, clear cut." I said, "And not even call." I said, "It's going to be boring, and it's going to be like you're deer hunting." But I was like, "Those birds are going to go straight back down there and roost in the same freaking spot." And Dan was like, "Well." if you don't want to go, I'll go down there. And I was like, man, if you want to go down there, that's fine. I'll go back and mess with these birds again. How far was that from the road? Um, That walk from the road was probably about six to 800 yards, six, 700 yards. So it was a good piece off the road. Mm -hmm. And people would pull to the edge of that clear cut because they could on up the way and they would just call from the gate. But I never saw anybody. I didn't see a single person in the woods when I was there. Gotcha. Everybody was on the roads. So Dan goes down there and sits. And um, it was, well, I'll tell you, it was at 720. He he messaged me and shot a picture and said, it. he said, your plan worked. Y'all didn't hear him shoot? No. Because, I mean, we were clear across country on the other side of the property. Oh, okay. And uh, so... Um, Shad's like, it's going to be a while because um, Shad and I had actually ended up uh, getting on another bird. And um, same thing. It was the same birds. Yeah. It was the same birds. But Dan got excited? Yeah, oh, yeah. He was pumped. I mean, he was he was pumped. And, and, you know, he's killed some birds before. But, you know, I, we – so it was uneventful for the rest of the day for, for me that day. So we, we, we finally just say, let's pack it up. I'll tell you this. So this is where I talk about the trees and them roosting in the in the oak in the. We knew we had one morning left because we had to check out the hotel at eleven, and then we had a two hour drive. So they had said, if you want to hunt Saturday evening, you can. It's it's totally. We'll leave it up to you. And I was like, that's okay, that's fine. So Friday before we went and met back up with Dan, Shad said, let's um let's go up here to the top of the hill. And you could look down across this big wash, and we could see everywhere where we had just been hunting and chasing those birds back and forth. And we got up there glassing, and sure enough, we found two birds roosted in those um, those dead cottonwoods just by glassing with binoculars. Two gobblers. 
Two got well, one we couldn't tell when it was a bird, but the other one was a gobbler for sure. And so we made a plan, and uh, for Saturday morning, and before we before we went back to to meet Dan, and uh, it was funny because um, we got over there to Dan, and it was it was cold. I mean, it was cool still because. It, the wind had died down throughout the day, but it was still in the 30s, you know, maybe in the 40s. But we pull up to Dan, and he's off the side of the road, and he's got him a fire built, <laughs> just sitting there by the fire with that turkey laid out right there, and just chilling a breast, just, just you know, just chilling out, just having a good time. And I did. He, he high fived me, gave me hugs, like, man, that plan, you know, that your plan worked. And I was like, you owe me for that bird. I was giving him, you know. He's like, man, I do, you know, and. And it was it was just observ it was just observation and just assuming that the birds were going to do the same thing. And he's like, "Man, I wish you would have been with me. We could have doubled up. They were both right in front of me, you know." Just and I was like, "Just shut up talking, <laughs> you know, like I'm ready to go." So, so where have we, where we had been hunting, and I'll try to paint this the best I can. The main road ran ran alongside the hill. Just drop us pins that way we can look. Yeah, at yeah, it. yeah. I'll look at it. Yeah. Uh, I'll put it on Facebook. Yeah. And um, there was a high side that went up the hill, and the, you know the, the the hill gradually dropped down, and it was fingers. It was a bunch of fingers, but they all ran down to the road, and then from the road, it flattened out a little bit, and then it dropped on down way into this valley, and. Those turkeys would either be on the high side or low side, but they stayed within an eighth mile stretch, and then either the high side or low side of that road, a thousand yards. They stayed in that block, and this goes back to talking about water. There was no water. I walked thirty three miles between Wednesday and Saturday morning, and that that stream that we found over there was the only body of water that we found. And that was over there where those birds were roosted. That was where the clear cut was. Yeah, where the birds were roosting. So, so y'all decided to go in there on those birds and, and get tied on them? So, Saturday, so every day those birds had been, you know, that main road was just traveled, wore out by trucks and cars and four wheelers and everybody and their brother. Box called John walking up and down that road. Behind the up the uphill side of the property was a power line. And one of the birds we had roosted was pretty close to that power line. So Shad actually said, these birds are so, it's kind of like our situation on public land. They get called so much from that main road. He's like, let's go behind them and try to come in from behind them. We'll be above them and try to get them to come uphill. So we go around that morning, get in there. We're just standing on the, on the, power line waiting for the world to wake up and we actually watch a hen fly out of the roost and just fly down in the woods and there's a bird starts gobbling and it's one we've roosted and he's probably 200 yards from us down this draw and um, i'm just letting him do his thing i hadn't called to him yet nothing and it's early like an eastern's not flying down it's early and i told shad i said um i'm gonna call to him here in a minute you know, I'm gonna let, but I'm going to let him wake up a little bit. And when I say it's early, a bird can't – they can't see the ground good yet. And the, next, and the next time he gobbles, he's on the ground, and he flew downhill. So I start calling to him. Well, he starts gobbling. 
And he came probably 100 yards closer than what we thought. And we set up on – we actually ended up setting up on the power line. And um, I called to him, called to him, and then he's gobbling, but he's just walking downhill, back down to that road, to that dirt road. And um, we go down there, and uh, we end up making a, a trek down there. Was Dan and, out of tags with that bird he killed? He was. He yeah. was. He stayed in the bed. He stayed in the bed. Stayed in the bed. He didn't even want to go set with y'all? Didn't even want to get, Well, he said, I can go if y'all want me to, but we were like, no, nah, it's fine, you know. So we go down there towards the road where the birds are gobbling, and it ends up being um, there were some birds south of the road. And uh, further further south of those birds was the interstate, was the freeway. So from that dirt road to the freeway was probably – three uh half a mile maybe and they were in between the dirt road and the freeway mm-hmm. and uh we got down there and set up close to the road and i was calling and they was cutting me off and gobbling and i was like man them birds should break and come you know one of them at least and she was like so we sat there for like an hour just trying to be patient with them trying to be patient with them and i told shad i was like man we're running out of time we got to I was like, we got to either be aggressive or just give up. So we get down there close to that road. And the reason those birds were answering me, I believe, and Shad believe, is because Box Call John was back. <laughs> and he was down there on that road, and you could hear him walking. And then birds were still answering him. But what he was doing was just pushing them, just pushing them towards the freeway. And, uh, so me and Shad talked, and I was like, look, I think, and Shad, you know, he said it too. Let's go get the truck, drive all the way down there, pass wherever Box Call John is, go up where we glassed from last night, and go way and get behind the birds and uh, where he's pushing them to. So we did, and we, we made a big trek around, and uh, we ended up splitting up. Shad's like, I'm just going to go to the right over here. He's like, you go in there by yourself. You'll be more successful by yourself. It's less movement, blah, blah, blah. So I go, and I get against the freeway. And bordering this freeway is the biggest mountain on this property. And I just told myself, I was like, I'm going to the top of this thing. And it was probably from bottom to top, it was probably a 1,000-foot elevation difference. I could see him right now at the bottom just smoking one, checking it out, <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, this is going to suck. And I just started easing up to it. And I'll tell you, I'm glad I did just because it was the most beautiful scenery, the most beautiful setting. And uh, But what was funny is we'd been fig- trying to figure out all week where these birds were getting pushed to and um, couldn't figure it out. They were just disappearing when they would quit gobbling. And – I got all the way to the top of that thing, and it was real bouldery, and I thought I was going to die by a mountain line, honestly. <laughs> it looked like a perfect place for a mountain line to live. I get all the way to the top, and then this is a big, big mountain. And um, I call one time, and one's on top of the hill. And I was like, it's a last-minute deal. I'm about to kill this turkey. Well, I just sit down because they haven't been called from this side. I know. Like, behind me is the freeway. I mean, cars are buzzing by me, you know, 50,000 foot below me. I can hear them, you know. <laughs> it's getting higher, boys. It's getting higher. And uh, He's on Mount Everest now, yeah, boys. <laughs> yeah, I had to take an oxygen mask up there. No, sit down, and um, I go quiet on him. 
And I was like, I'll long play them if I have to. And I wait and I wait. And it, it seemed like two hours, but it was probably about 35 minutes. And nothing. Never heard him walking. Never heard him strutting, drumming, nothing. Cluck, per Jake Gilp, nothing. So I call again and nothing. So it's real quiet walking because it's so dusty up through there and dirt and just barren. So I just go easing up there and I finally crest and I come to the very tip top and um, I can see box called John's truck and I, I can see <laughs> Shad's truck parked over there and I'm just looking out across all this terrain. So I call Shad and um, he um, ended up running into a coyote and uh, shooting it and couldn't find it. Um, he told me on the phone, he said, uh, man, I just shot a coyote. And I said, I was trying to be quiet. I was like, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, they do have coyotes. I mean, yeah. So that, that so we're talking about coyotes. That's what, um, that was the only coyote that we saw, um, the entire time. And I think he probably killed it. Cause he said fur fl- flied and he was shooting 12 gauge. Okay. So, um, he probably just hit it back and it just ran off and died a slow, miserable death. Talking about them birds out there though. Like gobbling like that when you thought he was on top of the hill. Them birds are bad about it. They're bad shot gobblers out there. They'll gobble at anything right off the bat, and but they're not really coming to you. Yeah. I noticed yeah. that big time. So you almost have to figure them out or let somebody stay way back and do something crazy mm-hmm. and just let, and maybe, I wonder if that's what that guy was doing. I wonder if he was walking up and down that road and he had a buddy slipping around quietly. Well, I know he was by himself because when I was on top of that mountain, and I was looking down through there. I was glassing and stuff, just looking. And I saw him get in his truck. And I was looking down through there, and he was by himself. And um, I waited until, which I was a long way from him. Mm-hmm. But I waited until he left because where I was going, I was going to come back out on the road. Because on Thursday, on a Friday morning, I had left my Crystal, Crystal Creek pot call in the woods laying up there by a tree. And I knew I had to go get it. So um, I was waiting on him to leave. So I come down off the mountain, and at this point, I'm like, "You got something to say?" I was just gonna say, "Good strategy you come up with there. Maybe that's what you and Blaine ordered to implement next year." Just I do it. I'll stay on the road. He won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may. I mean, but it may. Ain't that what you did this time anyway? Judging by your video, you pretty put much. Some pretty sick, much. like a dog on him. Pretty much, son. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, for the life of me, I couldn't. I just couldn't wrap my head around what they were doing. And I don't know. Shad said he thought that, um, you know, he's hunting a lot of turkeys out there, and he said that they weren't acting like they normally act. And he said, I just feel like they've got a ton of pressure on them. And, uh, that Sounds like it. Yeah, and they and they did. We, I mean, we saw, like I said, a ton. Guys with their kids, you know, we saw a lot of that, them riding them roads. And I don't know if they're just wanting to let their kids hear one gobble or. Shad wanted to break you in, son. See what you's made of. Now he's going to take you real turkey hunt next year. Well, he said he said we could have went um, a couple more hours south, and he said it was it was virgin. That a boy, that a boy, Shad. You running through that trial running process? The, run, run me through the gauntlet first. Yeah, and um, but you know what's funny about that entire situation? As I was coming off that mountain, I'd stop about every two hundred yards and uh, call to see if I could strike one last bird up before i left and i finally just stopped calling and put my mouth call up and uh i stepped foot in that dirt road i had my phone out i was about to call shad and one gobbled about 200 yards behind me where i'd just come from really following you out wasn't he i called shad and i said don't come yet i said i got one last card to play and i just ducked back in the woods right there and sat down 
and uh, I sat there not long. I was beat. I was I was beat down, wore out, and I called Chad and I said, "Come get me." <laughs> I did. I threw in the towel, and um, he come over there, and we walked in there. I couldn't remember. You get lost easy, and then everything looks the same. Every ridge looks the same. Every bush you have service looks the same. Yeah, had good service That's the entire good. time. So Shad come back over there, parked the truck, and um, we walked up there and got my call and headed headed back towards uh, headed back towards the hotel to pack up. You stayed at Shad's that night. So that night, yeah, we went back. Actually, had a good shower. Um, good shower. We uh, we sat around. We uh, him and um, uh, his wife Darcy and I went out to eat over by one of the colleges. And I ate at this really good, it was like an Italian. They had like a pasta bar and a big salad bar and a, pizza, a really good pizza. And so we went there and ate. And, I'm uh, starving to death. We went, and then uh, they drove me back and showed me some uh, some neat scenery, some waterfalls that were, you know, you could pull off and look at and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of gave me some history about everything. And then went back to Shad's and watched some hunting videos and, un, you know, unwinded for the evening and then. Passed out and got ready to wake up in the morning and go to the airport. So, well, before we get off of Utah, let's go shooting straight. This week's shooting straight brought to you by land specialist Cal Hardy with Whitetail Properties. If you're looking to buy or sell land in the Northwest Georgia area, give our boy Cal a call. 770-296-2163. Day or night. Kind of spinning off what you've been asking here lately, Nick, with what's the strangest thing you saw, most unique thing you saw while in Utah? Most unique thing? Golly. Wish I'd known about this prior. Um, well, our guests don't know about the question either, Cody. Yeah, you're right. The most unique thing I saw, um, honestly, it's it's going to sound stupid to people from out there, but there's a ton of little tiny, like one-foot-tall cactuses everywhere. <laughs> really? Yeah. And... <laughs> They were like, don't sit down on one and don't put your knee down on one. And I about put my hand, I, I knelt down one time and went to lean over, and there was one about two inches tall. And he's like, them things are bad. But, yeah, little one foot, like some of them were four inches tall. The tallest one I saw was about a foot. The first time I'd seen cactus out in the wild, you know. And um, We've never been to Texas, boys. So Yeah, we've never been to Texas. Or Arizona. So you was in a daggum desert. Yeah. Yeah, so um, – did you see any of that um what's that wood called? What's some wood pieces that turns into rock? What's that called? Oh, you know what there was a lot of? Um volcanic rock. There's volcanic rock everywhere. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? No idea. What's some pieces of wood that turns into rock? What's that called? Petrified wood. Yeah. Did you see a lot of that there? Mm. It don't get that hot. No. I mean I didn't I didn't see not that I knew that what it was. I saw a bunch of rock that was like broke open and it looked crit like crystal. Like glazed crystal and stuff, but did you see in gold mines? Um, no, did not. Obviously, I didn't know if Utah mm-hmm. was rich in gold. I, I bet it is up like up north more, where there's a bunch of water and stuff. I would I would assume. I wouldn't imagine there'd have been a bunch in the towards the desert in South Utah. Is Utah a destination that you would want to go back to? Yep, definitely going back. What would you do different next year if you go back next year? Well. I, I don't know what I would do necessarily different. Um, I think I would spend more time if I could see birds, I would try to watch birds and and try to 
try to get a better pattern on them. Um, just like the clear cut birds, I'll call them. I mean, we I took two days and figured those birds out, and it, it resulted in a harvest. Um, the only other thing I would do, I think I, um, man, I don't know, because you know I was talking to you the whole time, and or not the whole time, but you know I tried the quiet game with them, and I tried the aggressive game with them. And I tried the, you know, moving in on them and or backing away from them. You know, I'd run away from them sometimes, like I was leaving and calling. And nothing I did was just a surefire. That's what we got to do. This is what's going to work. Um, so you went turkey hunting. And sometimes, hunting. <laughs> exactly. and sometimes it's just hard. <laughs> from what they, I've learned, when they got that much pressure, it's hard to it's hard to do anything with them. Yeah, and, and I and I think you just get lucky and get in front of them. Yeah, and I and I think that um, you know, and Shad's already said, you know, you come back, we're going to. A, different he's like it's he's like we will not see a person down there and and him and dan both said that it was it's um there's a lot more birds down there too so one reason we didn't go is because you know fuel we were driving a diesel truck and fuel was um 560 something a gallon so i heard on sunday on the radio here that Washington is trying to Washington State's trying to figure out how to put another digit on all their gas stations because they're going up to ten dollars a gallon out there soon. God, don't <laughs> don't get me started on this political <laughs> diatribe yeah. right now because I've been on one the last couple of days with a guy that I work with and I hope he listens to this and I hope he knows how big of an idiot he actually is because the the people that have supported what is going on in this country right now is absolutely asinine and ridiculous i mean it is you are breaking people i seen it doggone fertilizer was a hundred and seventy nine dollars for the liquid the glycerin yeah for for a gallon a hundred and seventy nine dollars it's almost two hundred dollars for a gallon of roundup style spray that we use on the farm you could buy it for fifty five dollars last year or two uh, three years ago at Tractor Supply. It's almost two hundred dollars for a jug of it, like two and a half gallon, not a gallon. Are you kidding me? Pump your brakes. <laughs> Don't get me fired up on that. I will get on this. Pump your brakes. We're gonna is. have to leave that for the next one. <laughs> you gonna have to do something. That is, ugh, it makes me so mad. Well, I'm glad you had a good trip. It was an awesome trip. I like I said, you know, shout out again to um, Dan Loveland and uh, Shad Brunson and and his wife Darcy for. Um, you know, put me up, and you know she didn't know me from Adam's house cat, and we talked about that. I was like, "What did you think when Shad said I got this Georgia boy?" And she's like, "He talks about y'all all the time." So I knew it was going to be a great experience. Anybody well, make fun of your accent? There were several people like you ain't from around here, are you? you know, I don't like a. Uh, <laughs> did they say a? <laughs> uh, they said some funny. We talked about that, and I actually made some notes of that real quick before we get off here. Um, they say funny things that like I kept calling it the interstate. And they're like, nobody says interstate out here. It's freeway. And then they call everybody um, buggers out there. Like, that bugger, you know, that dirty bugger, they'd get all fired up. Well, we call them MFers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just, just some funny difference. Yes, OB. <laughs> but they, they were making fun of me for saying Joker because I said, man, that Joker was up there on that hill. You know, then I don't know where he went. And they're like, Joker. And they're like, well, I guess that's kind of like us saying bugger. Bugger. Went over across that creek. That they creek. say pop. They say pop. No, um, it's Coke. Coke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. they did call it Coke. Yeah, because every time we stopped at the store, both of them had to get a big old big big gulp of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Coke it, it, or Pepsi. 
Uh, Coke and Diet Coke. Dan was a Diet Coke man or a Diet Mountain Dew. And oh, then, man, you and him got along good. Man, him got along Y'all good. couldn't remember nothing. No, couldn't remember nothing. And uh, You but, know what? You know, you've heard of me give him a hard time about Mountain Dew. You've heard about Mountain Dew that, and Diet Mountain, Mountain Dew. Dew. He said, I can't remember That's nothing. what affects your memory. There's something in there. Really? Yeah, you know he can't remember nothing. I must have drank a lot of them too because I can't remember much. <laughs> no, I just what I, I swear I I think they actually talked about that on Rogan. How Mountain Dew will make you forget things. Fact well, then people, then people that drink Mountain Dew, it's just like a Coke drinker. Then people loyal. Yeah. Oh yeah, very loyal. Well, I, I hadn't drank a Coke in two and a half years up until I went work at the place I'm at now. Now it's a I love a Coca Cola. That's my favorite. You like Pepsi or Coke? Doctor Pepper. Okay. I can drink him until I get the heartburn. Dr. Pepper. Have um, you ever – I'm going to ask this question because this guy, <laughs> since we're in general talk now, have you ever just thought about the amount of soda you've drinking in your lifetime? Not as much as you. <laughs> you just had to go there, didn't you? You think about if you could pour all that soda in like a swimming pool, how much would it be? Mine would be a kiddie pool. Yours would be Olympic size. <laughs> I'm really not a huge soda drinker. I'm more of a water and sweet tea. Beer. I drink a few beers yeah. every now and then. <laughs> but I don't drink tea. I'm not, The only time I drink tea is I bet you got Olympic size swimming pool energy drinks, too. Oh, man, I've drank a bunch of them full throttles in my in my day. I like them pretty good. No sweet tea out there. We did go to – we we. The only good place to eat there was Denny's. We and it was we'd call them every night because we didn't get out of the woods till nine something because it didn't get dark, and uh, they closed at ten. We called them a couple nights like, "Hey, we're coming in!" Like, y'all keep the doors open for us. And I was going to ask, is that <clears throat> is Shad and them usually hunt that hard, or was that pretty normal for them? You wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> well, I'll call them out. I was laying in bed talking to Shad, and he had just laid down, and I got a picture of him. He fell asleep holding a phone up in front of his face four times. <laughs> I kept going, hey, did you set your alarm? And he'd wake up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, fall asleep. Shad, she said, yeah, 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 yeah. And he showed me his phone, and he got back on it, like looking at his phone, boom. Fall. I'm talking about snoring falling asleep. I also got a picture of him sleeping in the woods. Dan took his shoes off, <laughs> backpack off, and just laid back and went to sleep. And, and another thing, like I told you on the phone today, when it was cold that one day and we left Shad, he built a fire from between his legs and sat there and just kept his fire kept the fire going while he's listening for turkeys. Shad now they might have been yeah. They might have been friends with Box called John. He um, might have been working for them. Might have been trying to keep them close to the road. <laughs> yeah. Might have been. But you Shad, know, you better you better get your rest up, son, if you go into if you go into Illinois, because you're gonna need it. There's yeah. gonna be some late nights and early mornings in Illinois. Well, I tell you he can walk, but I told him, I said your mental game better be strong coming to coming to Illinois because because uh, he likes to move. Yeah, I mean he do, he's he's, he's never not a, sat he's, he's never sat in a deer he stand. He said he sat on a deer stand maybe one time when he was a kid. Has he ever climbed up in one? No, he told us he hadn't. Yeah, I got he better get to practice and get him a we harness. Gonna put, we gonna put it. I've got his we, harness. We got him a harness. And uh, me and Cody's gonna hang him a lock on with some sticks and put him a lifeline in there. I mean, I think he can do it. They're gonna guard hole him. No, yeah. take him yeah. to the good spot yeah. next year. Yep, yep, that's right. <laughs> I'm, kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll yeah. probably, yeah, our luck will gar hold him. He'll kill a 180. I hope yeah. Shad knows. Well, I, was, I know that was a good spot, old buddy. <laughs> Surely by now, Shad knows we're smart, Alex, don't he? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, yeah, I didn't get left in the desert, but uh, I, I'm definitely, 
Shad's very, very nice, very kind-hearted, very, and I'm just me, you know, just rough. I try to dial it back a little bit, but. Just smoke this truck? Well, heck no. <laughs> Come on now. Sorry about that smoke smell. Yeah, I, you, know, you, know, you know what's funny? You, you say that, but the air so, th- like, it's thinner out there, um, even though we weren't at a greater elevation, that I didn't smoke near as much. Just How'd the Krispies do? I'm going to tell you. I walked, literally, I've got it on my phone. I'll show you. and walked 33 miles from Wednesday to Saturday morning, and not a single blister, not a foot ache, not. Knee, did they, do you think they helped your knees and your I, back? They and had stuff? to have because, you did know. Did your back bother you at all? No. Didn't have a single back problem. I'm telling you, every, every penny I spent on those was worth it. You got back and knee problems? You got back. Got back problems. Bad. What from? Sitting down? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've had back problems, but, you know, I got in that wreck, had those herniated discs and all that. So well, here we go. Make me feel bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. clinical. But, no, so, yes, they did. And Sika gear also was awesome, though. Awesome. It didn't look like it blended in too well. The Sika gear? <laughs> Dude, disappear. All that stuff's so dry and everything out there. I'm kidding. I know you are. It lo- I was like, man, this stuff blends in good. They're like, yeah, it does. They were just they patting you on the back. Nice. No, because they were – Coo you and King's camo. Boy, I bet when they saw y'all in town, they thought, why are they at the Denny's up here? <laughs> uh, oh, yes. Know def- where the money is. Looking That's forward right. to going back. So, going to go out there and kill antelope. Hey, Dan, I need to talk to you because Dan doesn't want us to come out there. Antelope, he said, mule deer, whatever we're going to do. He said, he's got it. I'm going to do something where there's a lot of them and there's easy targets. Was there wolves in that area? No, no. It's mountain it's lions. Mountain lions. Mount. Oh yeah, I did see on the very cougars. Top. Cougars. Since y'all made fun of me many episodes ago, <laughs> calling it a cougar. I didn't see no cougars. Didn't spend enough time in town. That's <laughs> why. <laughs> Mennonites. <laughs> oh, Mennonites. Was there Mennonites out there? Bunch of Mennonites. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn. Tell y'all about them. Well, I can't wait to talk to Dan then. Yeah. There was a bunch. There was a pizza place um, there that was that was owned by them. You know it's know. it's funny that how and I know it this would have happened without the podcast but how it's all transpired with how I met Shad and got to know him just through a crossbow forum mm-hmm. on Facebook and and you know and got to talking to him about that and blowing and then, your hand off yeah I mean that's where it all kind of <laughs> started and then the conversation there and then it led to you going out there it, I don't it's just crazy how the outdoor community works with being able to ineptly be a part of each other's lives without even being, you know, in the presence. I mean, you can go out to Utah and hunt. You never would have dreamed of going out there. I mean, no, we've never even, no. I mean, 20 something years you and I've been hunting together. We've never mentioned Utah. I mean, all the years I've known you, you've never mentioned anything about going to Idaho or, or South Dakota or whatever. I mean, it's just crazy how it all comes to be. We, um, we need to circle up. We need to get Dan on because, um, he's got some amazing stories about some of the hunts he's been on. He killed a hunter and, um, he put a, a spot and stalk on a 183-inch mule deer he killed with a bow and stuff. I mean, he's a he's a hunter. Is that a big mule deer? I mean, you think about a 183-inch whitetail, I mean, that's a uh, – yeah, he showed me pictures. So he was probably man. glad to get rid of you that afternoon so he could really go turkey hunting. Shit. <laughs> this boy, Georgia boy, dragging, he dragging me, me around. I'm going to go kill a bird. Watch this. <laughs> Boom. He's already built a fire. Got hanging some out. marshmallows. <laughs> Did they make s'mores? No, they're fires. <laughs> no. Did you see any ants? That's something yes, I thought about. So 
that's one thing I told Shad. You could sit down anywhere out there and you didn't have to worry about a single bug crawling you. Not a bug on the ground. But every three, four hundred yards you'd see one big mound and it was these big they call them desert ants. And they just look like big old fire ants and cow ants. It was the only bugs that Ooh, I saw. Boy, you better not step on one of them. Saw a bunch of cow ants and saw those fire ants and that was the only bugs that lizards. That was it. Hmm. Any iguanas? <laughs> no, no iguanas. <laughs> and jackrabbits. I'm gonna show you this video of this jackrabbit. That's cool. What else? Nothing. I might have to swing through out there one day. Give imagine, me a turkey. I imagine you will. Give All me a bird. Travels. I'll drop you some pins. Drop me some pins. Why do you go did south? You ever give, <laughs> did you ever give Cal at, uh, them pins? I told him grouse? where to go. I told him where to go. Did you? Mm-hmm. I hope he listens oh, to this episode. saw a quail. Did see a wild quail in uh, Shad's front yard, actually. You better watch out, Cal. I'll be calling you. <laughs> <laughs> was yep. it a bob white or was it a jay white or was it one of them green bags? it was one that had a black feather looking thing hanging in front of his eyes got me yep don't even know shad or uh cal call me and let me know what kind of quail that is well we're glad you're back um the uh the the fun that's transpiring for the summer with the bow hunting league and what we're doing with them as far as the one shot and if you haven't got together and and got a team of three yet that you want to enter into that make sure you you know get that done if you need any help with it reach out to us we'll do the best we can to walk you through it if you want to get in on the one shot it's it's a lot of fun i mean i think that's the the funnest we've had you know or i'll say this is the funnest i've had shooting a bow this early in the year generally don't start shooting a bow in may uh, Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it's that target over. He's got dust on it. You've really been knocking the feathers out of it. Ain't hey, you? You, see, you see that thing I got that on that dolly? I push that dolly across and shoot it when it comes by. <laughs> Put that on a rope. Let's just bungee strap that and pull it across yeah, the yard. Practice some running shots. Yeah, man. <laughs> we'll do it in the basement. Shoot yeah. the window. Shit. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, thanks everybody for coming and uh, tuning in to this special episode. It was uh, Waddy's adventure in Utah, uh, taking the redneck way out south. Yep. And it was a lot of fun to hear, and, and it's definitely going to be something that I guess it may not be like you said in, in your post today. It's not necessarily measuring the the, the memories in a taking of a game. You know, you, you have to take it all in, and I hope everyone continues to do that because it's definitely going to be special this fall when we get to introduce Mr. Brunson to a uh, whitetail for the first time. So hopefully awesome. we can get him on something. He'll shoot the first 100-inch deer that comes by. He absolutely probably. will after talking to him, 100%. <laughs> Great. Well, I think he'll shoot a doe? He uh, might even shoot a doe. I hope he don't shoot yeah. a doe back in there where we're going to put him. But, I don't know. We might have a wave. Now, don't we, talk him out of it. Let no, him. he can shoot whatever he wants to, but I'm telling you, first 100-inch. What's he six, got, a raven? Yeah. First 100-inch yeah. six-pointer walks by with no brow time, done. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I hope shoot them all, Shad. Shoot them all. Shoot them to you. You can go no back and get doe tags for and watch, $65. And watch how excited I am when he shoots one, because I will be. I did get a text message while we were on this show that Illinois had legalized straight wall cartridges for shotgun. Oh, for shotgun season now? Yeah. So, gentleman texts me uh, by the name of Jason Lewis asking if I knew where he could get some 350 leads in demo. So, oh, that's everywhere. Um, yeah, went to Bash Pro out there. Had three times ammo we have here, by the way. Probably as high as a giraffe's ass. No, too. really wasn't. Really? It was about the same price. Just had a bunch of it that we didn't have here. Huh. Well, How's she going to get that deer meat home, you think? He probably ain't. Yeah, probably. No, probably I mean, be mail it. Of, we can ship it to him if he wants to pay for it. 
Yeah. But it, but you got to put it on dry ice and do all that. And It'll the, probably come in Georgia. Derek Gardenia's? Probably go to the, the Jardina <laughs> damn compound to get processed. I might want some venison. We'll try to get it to All right, you. fellas. I got to go. Right. Sounds good. Hey, appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll be back with you very, very soon. And uh, Another turkey episode. Yay. So excited. <laughs> that old violin's still playing in my ears. For everyone here at Talk About It Outdoors, thanks for being with us again. Remember, smile as you go, but don't forget, mount the memories. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk.